Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, April 23rd. I'm Nyla Budu. Here's what you need to know today. Activists and the Chauvin verdict. Plus, who's ready for the Oscars? But first, Biden's big week is today's one big thing. New decisions from the Supreme Court, President Biden's busy week, and the exclusive communications firm that helped the prosecution in Derek Chauvin's trial. All that happened this week in politics. It's a good thing Margaret Taleb is here to wrap it all up for us. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Nyla. Great to be with you. Margaret, the Supreme Court ruled yesterday that juveniles can be sentenced to life without parole, the majority opinion written by Justice Brett Kavanaugh. What does this decision say to you, especially as we juxtapose that with the trial verdict with Chauvin this week? Well, Nyla, I mean, this was a striking ruling because it did effectively reverse what has been seen in recent years as the court dealing with a degree of leniency on minors. Ruling says judges don't need to find, quote, permanent incorrigibility before they apply a life sentence, right, to juvenile killers. It's a 6-3 ruling, and guess what? Former President Trump's three Supreme Court nominees are the ones who made the difference. Justice Kavanaugh is the one who wrote the ruling, but Amy Coney Barrett and Neil Gorsuch put this over the top. It just shows that this court, which is so heavily influenced by Donald Trump, is going to have repercussions literally for decades to come on an entire lifetime of adults who have not become adults yet. Margaret, let's focus back on this week, thinking about on a Friday what the week looked like for President Biden, as well as what next week is coming up. Both very big weeks in the Biden presidency. Absolutely. So much of President Biden's attention has been focused on this uh, major political marker in any president's new life, the first 100 days. That is coming next week. He's got a joint session addressed to Congress. So for President Biden, a sigh of relief that he is not also dealing with massive street protests and upheaval over a conviction that could have gone the other way. But understanding that next week is a huge test, a test for him to present a case to the American people that the the first hundred days of his administration are effective and successful and a move in the right direction. Speaking of the Chauvin trial, you also wrote about a well-known firm here in D.C. that quietly worked with the prosecution in this case. What was their role? This is such a fascinating story. Their role was completely under the radar, media monitoring and analysis to help the prosecution, to help Keith Ellison's office in Minnesota prepare to go to trial. And how did this all come together? A man named Neil Katyal, he was the former acting U.S. Solicitor General during the Obama administration, relatively young appellate lawyer and He had volunteered his own services to the uh, Minnesota prosecutors. I asked him, why did you think it was important to bring in a firm like this? The first thing he said was that they wanted to get a sense for the case about where the public was. But then he also said, we wanted to get a sense of what the public reaction would be if there were a conviction, if there were an acquittal, if there were a mixed verdict. But then he also said, like, it's one thing to win the trial— But to win it in the eyes of the American people in the long term is a different thing. And then he said that for prosecutors, the goal isn't to win a case. He said it's to do justice and that in his mind, part of doing justice isn't just winning the case, but understanding how that verdict will be received on a broad scale. Access's Managing Editor for Politics, Margaret Taleb. Margaret, thank you. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Nyla. 
We'll be back in 15 seconds with a historian's perspective on what the Chauvin verdict means. Welcome back to Axios Today. Margaret was just talking about how the Chauvin verdict will resonate for so many years to come. And it came, of course, after a year of nationwide protests. But for those activists, it was just the first step in the fight for police reform. Barbara Ransby is a historian and longtime political activist. She's the author of the book, Making All Black Lives Matter, Reimagining Freedom in the 21st Century. Dr. Ransby, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Can you take me back to the verdict being announced? What were you thinking and feeling at that moment? Well, you know, it was mixed. I had a feeling that this was going to be the verdict, and I was already anticipating what the spin would be. The spin of the verdict, in particular by many of the pundits after the fact and even the prosecution, was that this wasn't a serious critique of the police, but it was the indictment of a single individual. And we just know from the number of bodies that have piled up from police violence, even during the trial itself, that this is much bigger than one individual, much bigger than Derek Chauvin. So I felt that the family was going to get some closure for this, and I and, and I felt good about that. But I felt it was woefully inadequate, and I was concerned that it would be used as a cover for the systemic problems that exist and a way to look away from the kind of systemic solutions that we really do need. Obviously, activists have been calling for systemic change. What role do you think activists, in particular the Black Lives Matter movement, played in this verdict? Absolutely critical. I mean, had we not had people in the streets, unprecedented numbers, okay? I study protest movements, particularly the Black Freedom Movement. The number of people who took to the streets of cities all over this country was unprecedented. I mean, that had a powerful, powerful impact Uh, on the fact that the police department felt it had to investigate, had the protest not occurred, we would not have seen a conviction. And so that's why the irony of the anti-protest legislation that we see around the country, starting in Florida, is so, so disturbing to me in terms of really stifling those forces that have been an important catalyst for change. From where you sit, do you see this verdict as a turning point? I don't see the verdict as a turning point. I do think we're at a pivotal moment in history, and us historians don't say that lightly. We've seen a convergence of things. We've seen an unprecedented presidency that fueled white supremacy. We've seen a pandemic that literally shut down the country and much of the world. And then we've seen the largest protest movement in history around racial justice. So those three things alone make this a pivotal moment. And so I think what we do with that is really important, that there's a real fight for the future of this country. The fight is a serious one, and the moment is a pivotal one. Dr. Barbara Ransby is a historian and author of the book Making All Black Lives Matter, Reimagining Freedom in the 21st Century. Thank you for speaking with us. Thank you so much for having me. The Oscars are this Sunday, and they're back in person, and probably you won't even see masks. That is, if you're going to be watching. Actress Sarah Fisher joins us now to answer that. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Nyla. Ratings for award shows are down. Do we expect the same for the Oscars this Sunday? Oh, I expect them to be terrible, Nyla. I mean, we usually use the Golden Globes as sort of a litmus test to see how the Oscars are going to do. And the Golden Globes hit an all-time low with just 6.9 million viewers earlier this year. So I expect the Oscars to hit a record low. They might not even hit 20 million viewers, which would be completely awful. Why? 
Well, there's a bunch of factors. I mean, number one, the pandemic has sort of expedited the shift to streaming. And as you know, these award shows are held on live linear broadcast television networks, and it's just not the same type of experience. You know, you can't fast forward through it. And then two, I think that culturally, these shows just aren't as relevant anymore. If you think of the way that Hollywood has shifted in the past year, it's all about TikTok stars, it's about Snapchat and YouTube videos, and these sort of old guard Hollywood shows are representative of the old way of thinking about talent and creativity. Now, I'm not saying that they aren't still significant and still culturally relevant, but they're nowhere near tapping into the same level of zeitgeist that they used to prior to the digital era. Axios Media reporter Sarah Fisher. You can follow her tweets on Sunday about the Oscars. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. And that's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Justin Kaufman, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Sabina Singani, Naomi Shaven, and Amy Padula. Our mix engineer is Alex Sugiyara. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer, and Sarah Kayolani-Gu is our executive editor. As always, special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Leetal Malad and Jacob Weisberg. I'm Nyla Boudou. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and I hope you enjoy your weekend. <laughs>